looks like we're live. Uh, Rain, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really, really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So I always like to sort of start with how do you describe yourself to the world? Because I know this is an ever fluxing, ever changing thing. You can go into it personally or professionally, but how, how do you describe yourself to the world? Um, mm. Rain, it would, be, it would be good to know. So I am most passionate about using my gift for communication, both written and spoken, to illuminate a path to healing and wholeness, drawing on my own personal experience and drawing on the things that I've studied and also on the insights that are revealed to me as a result of my dedication to my spiritual practice, which has taken place over many years and in various different forms. Uh, so I think that's sort of like the, the driving force behind everything that I do. Then on a more practical level, what I do for a living is I teach Pilates, yoga, breathwork, meditation. I also do energy healing, although I haven't been offering that this year. And just due to my own health issues that I've been going through, I decided to pull back from that. And then I write. I've published one book so far. There will be more. <laughs> so that book is a recipe book, but it's also much more than that. It's a, a lifestyle guide. The emphasis being teaching people how to develop their relationship with their own body and with the food that they eat. So it's not a diet or a nutritional guide, it's more focused on building that relationship with your own body and finding the joy in food. Then I also have a Substack publication. Um, Substack is basically like the 2020s version of a blog. <laughs> so I share my essays on there. I try to do it once a week. And what I write about is, you know, going back to that first thing that I said, it's, um, it's really just about my observations of life. Uh, what we do as humans, why we do it, how we could start to do it better. And even just by the simple act of observing how we react to things and why we choose things the way that we do, how we can start to look for better ways. And then finally, <laughs> I have a podcast as well. But I really love that you asked the question in that way because you know, most, most often people will just ask, what do you do? And whenever somebody asks me, what do you do? I'm sort of like, oh, <laughs> this question, <laughs> like, where do I start? Because yeah. I, there are so many different things that I do. Mm. Right. Mm. And I've been told so many times by so many different people and like, you know, all the marketing advice, the branding advice is always like, you do too much. You do too many things. You need to niche down. You, you need to figure out that one thing that you do and do it really well. You're going to confuse people because you've got this and you've got that and you've got that. And like my response to that is fuck that shit. <laughs> because, um, and I, and I get it from like the, the practical level of marketing and branding, like people need to understand what you're offering, but that's just not me. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a multifaceted chameleon and I don't want to be put in a box. I'm tired of people telling me that I need to label myself with a little one line bio on Instagram that describes exactly what it is that I do. Mm -hmm. My response to that has been to 
um, put the top line of my bio as human being, because that is what I am. First and foremost, <laughs> I'm Rain. I'm just a person. I'm just a fractal of the universal consciousness having a 3D physical experience. Mm. And I no longer want to focus on all of the labels that I am in my physical experience to the extent that it detracts from the vast infinity of who I am as a soul. So yeah, I really push back on people telling me that I need to be able to say what I do in one sentence or in three words or whatever it is. Mm. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to just um, take a whole five minutes explaining what it is that I do. I love that. And I connect with that on a spiritual level myself <laughs> because I've seen my own evolution <laughs> just change and flux and then eventually oh, just decided to let go and just, just, you know, just mm. let it be what it is. And, and I see that so often, especially on social media, people peg like pigeonholing themselves into these identities and these roles. And then, and I've just concluded that we, it, we change so rapidly and everything changes so rapidly. Mm. It's that's the only constant. So to, like you said, to, to get a whole marketing team to give you your one-liner and that's who you are and to expect that to stay the same for decades is, is just absurd in my opinion. So, yeah. So I'm really happy you, you started with that because it's something I think about often and, and I love it. Uh, I really love the way you describe that and, and please like this for me, the rambling is part of this podcast. So I, I want you to go on, on tangents, <laughs> loopholes. I'm going to try my best to try and rein something. Rain you in and, and keep on, on sort of the, the, the methodology that I've laid out and the things that I want to mm -hmm. cover. Um, and to be honest, most of it's from Instagram and, and I really enjoy your spontaneity and the things you speak about. So, so I'll try my best. I'll try my best, but you mentioned healing and I think if I had to sort of encapsulate my content as a whole, it's definitely about healing. And I think now mm -hmm. more than ever healing is a prerequisite to living well in this, in this modern society and yeah. Specifically, I think a very timely thing is your, your experience with, uh, your breast implant removal surgery that you just had. I, I would love for you to touch on that because I think we can go so many different ways with that. And it, I just love, not love. I, I appreciate your vulnerability in exposing the truths behind not only the physicality of it, but the decades long, you know, emotional, like tale that that's come from. So. Yeah, I would love for you to maybe go into into that if 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 you if you feel the the space to. Yeah, so um, I explanted, which is the surgery to remove breast implants, seven weeks ago now, so it's still quite fresh and new. I'm still busy healing from the surgery. I got the implants seven seven and a half years ago. And that was um, when my son was, he was three years old. So it was two years after I stopped breastfeeding. I breastfed for just over a year. And I, growing up like as a teen and a young adult, I was always that lucky girl with the nice, beautiful, big boobs. 
And I think at that point in my life, it being prior to my spiritual awakening, I was still very much identified with my physical appearance and with my identity as a beautiful woman. And my breasts were very much part of that. So when I stopped breastfeeding and I lost what I had previously had, um, I'd, I don't think I could really like wrap my head around it. And I think an interesting point here is that it was not so much the size. I, I think small breasts are beautiful too. So it wasn't like I was so attached to the size of my breasts, um, but the, the droopiness and like the loss of that youthful look that really bothered me. And I think another interesting point to note is that my decision to have implants done came towards the end of my marriage. From the outside, I think everything still looked great to everybody else, but inside I was incredibly unhappy and my, my marriage was starting to disintegrate, even if I was the only one that was noticing it. <laughs> and then that of course brings up new insecurities because even just the thought that maybe at some point I'm going to be single again and be dating again, it, it made me feel like I can't let men see me like this. I need to fix it. I need to look better because otherwise who's going to love me and um, so i made the decision to get implants looking back it's actually quite funny because at that point in my life i was very focused on perhaps even obsessively so focused on healthy eating and like eliminating toxins so like i was using all the organic products um, you know, I, I never allowed anything in my home with petrochemicals or parabens or the sulfates or the this or the that. I only bought organic fruits and vegetables. I, I was like so careful about what I put into my body. And yet it was like I had this complete blind spot about the implants. I didn't for one second think that it was a bad idea to put these foreign objects into my body. And looking back now, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Like it's one thing to to not be aware of any of this and just to be you know living the mainstream way, mm. but I I was already so entrenched in doing things the alternativeistic way and yet I I didn't see this as a red flag. <laughs> anyway, so that's the decision I made and it was obviously part of my journey and something that I had to do. And um, I was very happy with the implants because it wasn't like I now looked different. Um, I just felt like I had my old boobs back. Um, quote unquote, <laughs> or maybe I should say my young boobs back. <laughs> and um, what then happened was three years, three and a half years after I had had the implants, I started getting ill. Um, so the first symptoms or the first experience of illness that I had was um, very severe chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, at the time, uh, through discussion with my doctor and doing blood tests and whatever, we came to the conclusion that the chronic fatigue was caused by CPTSD, which for those who don't know, is complex PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, many people know the, the normal PTSD, which is when you go to war or you get raped or you have one very big traumatic experience and that causes PTSD a lot of people are not aware that there is CPTSD as well which is um, when there's a, 
continuing stressful situations in your life so like maybe what you would call small traumas as opposed to that like one big triggering event and so what happened to me is that um there were there were various different things that happened in my life from um being in abusive relationships to having had an eating disorder um to you know all, all of the emotional trauma that I actually inflicted on myself with my behaviors which were my attempt to deal with unresolved childhood stuff um so that included like um partying really hard um, doing drugs uh you know just living a lifestyle that wasn't good for my body or my soul and then um going through a divorce which was very contentious very difficult dragged out for years in and amongst going through that divorce my brother committed suicide and um, then the, the straw that broke the camel's back was when I went to court um, in my divorce it was incredibly stressful and scary for me as a mother and it was two weeks after that that I started having symptoms um, and then it, it took a couple of months for us to figure out what was wrong because first I thought, you know, maybe I have some sort of a virus like Epstein-Barr or, you know, maybe there's just like something physically wrong. Maybe it's adrenal burnout. Maybe uh, I'm missing this mineral. Maybe it's that. But my bloods always came back perfect. And like on paper, I was perfectly healthy. Hmm. And then I, I think it was about four months later, I, um, I had some Pedro plant medicine. And that uh, brought me out of that, what's called a dorsal vagal state that I was in. So dorsal vagal is, you know, you get fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. Dorsal vagal is freeze. It's when your nervous system just shuts down. So that was, that's what was causing the chronic fatigue. And the San Pedro, like, it was really amazing. It, like, woke my brain up literally overnight. So I thought, okay, now I'm healed. Like, I'm better. And um, for a long time, I felt really good. You know, I could go back to my normal life. I had energy again. Um, you know, I was happy. I was able to do all the things that I loved. Whereas those four months were really acute, really severe chronic fatigue. And, you know, when you say chronic fatigue, people think it's not a real thing. Or they think it's not that serious. And they're like, oh, you're just tired. You just need a nap. Um, at, uh, for those four months when it was so bad, I had to sleep a minimum of 10 hours a night. And then I would still have two to three naps during the day. <laughs> and that was just so that I could get, like, get through the day. It wasn't to feel good. I still felt like shit all the time. And it wasn't something that I had control over. Like sometimes my brain would just switch off and I would fall asleep. There was many, many a nights when my um, now fiance had to carry me to bed because I was completely passed out. Mm. So, of course, that had a huge impact on my life in general. Uh, so I had the experience with San Pedro. I was like, this is miraculous. I'm healed. Everything's fine. going to carry on with my life. And um, for a long time, I felt really good. But then I can remember saying to Wesley, my partner, that I just felt like there was something still not quite right. Like I was feeling good, but something was still a little bit off. Um, and I, I kept on thinking like maybe I felt like maybe there's something stuck in my nervous system. Like maybe there's some trauma that I still need to release. Mm -hmm. And then it was towards the end of last year. So about a year ago that 
it started coming back again, the chronic fatigue. And in conjunction with that, I started noticing other symptoms, which I hadn't had in the beginning. And, you know, I had some thoughts like, maybe I'm just getting old. Like I'm 37 now, I just turned 37. So I was like, oh, mid thirties, you know, it's all downhill from here. So I was sort of like dismissing all of these things that I was noticing as like, oh shit, it's happening to me now. I'm starting to get old. So that was sort of like my first thought. Um, and then it got to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I was like, mm, no, this is not just getting old. Something's wrong here. And it was actually my doctor who said to me, he was like, you are far too young to be experiencing symptoms like this. You shouldn't be having any issues like this. Hmm. Um, so that made me like think again. And at a certain point in time, um, I, I now think if I look back, I believe that it was my intuition and my body speaking to me. But at a certain point, I started thinking, hmm, isn't it weird that I have these plastic bags in my body? Like, that's a bit weird. Like, why did I do that? And I started thinking, well, I have this thing that's wrong with me. I have this chronic fatigue. Obviously, something's not right in my body. Maybe it's not a good idea to have these implants in considering that I'm sick, mm. you know. Mm. Um, maybe it's just making the situation in my body worse. So that was how I first started thinking about it. At the time, I didn't know very much about breast implant illness. I'd sort of heard about it here and there. I was aware that one of the symptoms is chronic fatigue. But I didn't think that that was what was wrong with me. Um, I just started thinking that, so, you know, they say that you should change the implants every 10 years. And at that point, I was at like six and a half years. Mm. So I was thinking to myself, okay, like, well, when the 10 years are up, I won't put new ones in. I'll just get them taken out. Mm. But I was still in the sort of mindset of thinking, but I, I can't just take them out. Like, then what? I take them out and then what? <laughs> then I go back to the sad little empty sex that I had after breastfeeding. So I was still, um, I was still a little bit in denial, I think, and I hadn't really realized the severity of the situation. As time went on, um, I think it was a process of me sort of digesting this idea that maybe having implants in my body is not a good idea, and maybe it's not in the best interest of my health. In conjunction with that, my symptoms started worsening more and more to the point that, you know, sort of at the beginning of this year, I started pulling back from certain things. Like I stopped doing the energy healing. I, I used to um, run women's circles with ecstatic dance and breathwork and energy healing. I stopped doing that. I, um, I didn't have energy to really have much of a social life anymore. So I just started like pulling back from things. So once again, it started really affecting my life and the symptoms got worse and worse. And of course, I became very fearful because I'd had this experience of miraculous instantaneous healing, and now I was sick again. And then that made me think, fuck, all of those doctors that say that chronic fatigue is incurable and it's a lifelong diagnosis, maybe they were right. And maybe this is it. Maybe this is how I have to spend the rest of my life. And that thought is incredibly scary and depressing because I am by nature a very passionate adventurous vibrant person and for me to not be able to embody that and to live my life according to that it makes me feel like what is the point what then is the point of being alive 
Um, so I got more and more desperate, like as things got worse. Eventually, one day I thought to myself, what exactly is this breast implant illness thing? Like maybe I should actually find out a little bit more about it. And so I started researching and um, I found some Facebook support groups and I started reading real women's stories because mm. of course if you look to the medical industry you're not going to find the answers so I started reading real women's stories and I can remember I was alone at home um, my fiance was overseas for work my son was at his father and um, I like got stuck into this for a good couple of hours and it was overwhelming because I just read story after story thinking to myself but this is me this is me. This is what I'm feeling. These are the, the symptoms that I'm experiencing. And so I sat down and I made a list of every single symptom I could think of that had been bothering me over the last year or the last couple of years. First of all, I was shocked at how long that list was. <laughs> and that, and that, that was what really woke me up and made me realize something is wrong. Something's very wrong in my body that I'm feeling all of this. You know, I think up until that point, it was too easy to dismiss it. Oh, life's busy. Oh, I'm stressed. I'm tired because of this. I'm tired because of that. And at that point, I was like, no, something's wrong. And I have to do something about it. And then I took that list and I went and found the list of known symptoms of BII. And when I compared the two lists, it was literally like tick, 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 tick. And that was a very interesting emotional experience. Because on the one hand, it uh, completely shocked me. I, w I wasn't expecting that. Even though I'd had these thoughts about maybe the implants are not good for my body, I, I wasn't expecting to actually come to the conclusion that the implants were causing <clears throat> excuse me, all of my symptoms. Mm. So firstly, I was shocked. Secondly, I was fucking angry. Like, why was I not told about this before I had the surgery? And... Um, Thirdly, was an interesting emotion of relief because all of this time I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't know what, and I didn't know if there was any way to fix myself. I didn't know what the answer was. Um, and here was an actually relatively simple solution. Um, so all of those thoughts that I'd had previously of like, oh, I'll leave the implants in for now. I'll enjoy them for a few more years. Um, along with thoughts of, I don't have money for the surgery. So it's literally not an option right now. In that moment, when I had that realization, all of those thoughts were gone. And I knew, I was like, I don't care what it takes. These things need to get out of my body right now. Um, so I, I was like, I'll sell my car if I have to that I can have the surgery it's a very expensive surgery mm. um so that was probably mm, sometime in the middle of this year um so once once I'd had that realization and I'd made that decision I acted on it quickly mm. um I didn't want to wait I thought why why spend any more time than I need to with this poison inside of my body making me feel like shit if I have even a 10 percent chance of getting better and getting my life back, it's worth having the surgery. Well, I just want to say, yeah, thank you for your vulnerability. Um, uh, just that whole journey. I mean, I just went on a journey and I just imagined 
all the stuff you went through. I mean, I'm the product of an only mother as well. And uh, so I appreciate that. I really do. Um, means a lot. And geez, I mean, you mentioned San Pedro. I myself, during in the middle of COVID, I, I went and I did a San Pedro ceremony and it was one of the most enlightening experiences of my life. Uh, I, all this pain and anger that I had built up over the years for my father had just dissipated. And, and I, mm. I just dropped into this pure loving awareness and forgiveness. Um, I, I saw I, me and my father came together and we locked heads and I saw my ancestors dancing around me and it was just the most wow, like incredible thing. Mm. It was also a very long trip for anybody who's had it. I, I was literally tripping for like the entire day. It was it was pretty mm -hmm. gnarly. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm so happy you brought that up because, yeah, I think San Pedro was an integral part to also informing a lot of my stuff. Like my, the guy that I was with saying was saying that it, it opens up the shamanic body. It's, it, it activates the shamanic soul and it... Mm. it it certainly did that for me so i can see how that's benefited you and i mean of course you mentioned your eating disorder i i, I think can you touch more on that because I'm, I'm very intrigued as to sure yeah we can get into that yes. i just want to um, make a little notes on the plant medicine before we yes. change subject go for it um yeah san pedro is such a beautiful medicine mm. and i've um I've personally witnessed so many stories similar to yours as well as experienced it myself. Um, but I do want to just like add a little caveat because plant medicine has become very trendy, mm. especially in Joburg. I'm not quite sure about, I think Cape Town's the same as well, but so let's say South Africa. Mm -hmm. It has become very trendy over the last few years. Um, on the one hand, I find that really positive because I do believe that these plants are a gift to humanity. On the other hand, there are, of course, pitfalls and dangers that come with that. Mm -hmm. Plant medicine should not be taken lightly. Mm. It's really, really important that it is treated with respect and that you have done a certain amount of some sort of like self-work or self-inquiry mm. before diving into plant medicine. It's really important that you do it with somebody who knows what they're doing. There are a lot of people walking around calling themselves shamans and they're not. <laughs> so um, just like the, the person who was guiding you said when you take plant medicines it opens up your shamanic body or your spiritual body so the people that you are doing this with um, you are opening yourself up to them on a spiritual level when you take plant medicine so it's really important that the person who is guiding you has done their own work and who has, has been sitting with medicine for years mm. you know they can't just do one trip to the Amazon and then come back and start serving medicine a lot of people do that. So um, I would really encourage anyone who's thinking of doing plant medicine, please do your homework and be very careful who you do it with and be very sure of your own intention. Mm -hmm. This is not a trip for fun. It can be very fun, can be really beautiful, um, but it, it's hard work. Yeah. And like you said, San Pedro lasts the whole day. It's like a 16-hour thing and it mm -hmm. can get ugly. Mm -hmm. Like if you fight the medicine, it can get really rough. So there's beautiful healing to be had in it, but it is not a substitute for self-work. No. Yeah. It's not no, a quick fix. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. No, that 
I was going to get into best practices, but you've, you've covered mm. it there so, so well. Like, it's not a panacea. It's not going to yeah. solve everything. And I think the hard work that you put in prior to it is, is ju it's so important because that's going to determine your experience that you've had. Mm. And I actually went from a background of doing it only at parties, um, as I'm sure mm. many people did. Yeah. And having, you know, grand old time, lots of drinking, lots of other drugs and not respecting the medicine at all. And yeah. um, in 2019, I had a had a terrible experience on acid in Africa burn. Um, when I say terrible, it, it was it was enlightening, but it was horrific. I, I went to the deepest, darkest part of my soul. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when COVID hits and whatnot, I decided no. I, I want to respect the medicine. I want to do it properly. Mm. I want to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, and yeah, that, that's what happened. But thank you. That's, that's so important. Mm. I mean, I can't underscore that enough. It's, it's really, you have to be ready. You have to be ready to let go and not fight. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um, also another important point is that the medicine calls you. Yeah. Mm. So when when you are ready to work with a medicine it will call you mm. so yeah that's that's why i said just be very clear about your intention because if you're just wanting to do it because everybody's doing it um you need to rethink that <laughs> yeah and also like you you brought up integration and the prior work so important so if the person that you're considering working with with plant medicine doesn't offer some form of integration or prep beforehand find somebody else mm. because we think that the hard part is in ceremony the hard part comes afterwards and it can last weeks months if you don't have somebody to support you through that you can land up worse off than you started yeah yeah 100 okay. percent. so you want to get into the eating disorder Yes, I would. I would love to. Um, just to give you context, my background, uh, I grew up w with a single mom who had an eating disorder. She was anorexic um, mm. and she smoked 20 boxes, 20 boxes of cigarettes a day. Uh, but all, all for the love of just wanting to see me flourish and grow, which is so beautiful to think about and reflect on now with you as well. And now she's... She doesn't smoke anymore. Her arthritis is gone. She's eating well. So it, it makes me happy to, to see that. But on the other hand of it is that I grew up very attached to food. Um, mm. I was the other way around. So my mom was anorexic. I was mm. the chubbiest kid. I didn't do any sports. <laughs> I was overweight. I, I used food as a, as a means of just getting love. That's all I wanted. And, 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 and if I was happy, I would go to food. If I was sad, I would go to food. But Obviously, this isn't about me, it's about you. But just to give you context is that that's why I'm so interested in the, the role it's played in people's lives. And, mm. and it's easy to dismiss it from the outside world, but I think it's, it, it gives us clues. So I, I, really, I really like to, to dive into that a bit with you if, you, if you're open mm. to it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, it also helps me to know a little bit more about your background and where you're coming from. And it 
makes complete sense that um, you went the opposite way with food, mm. having grown up with your mom being anorexic like that. Uh, so for me, um, I had a pretty good relationship with food growing up. My, I come from a family of foodies, so food was always celebrated as something good and healthy. And I was given a really good basis of understanding how food relates to health and how to eat healthily. Uh, my family always cooked food at home. Uh, takeaways were sort of like a once in a blue moon treat. Um, so I grew up with a pretty solid foundation of how to eat healthily. Um, having said that, I can now that I've done the work and done the healing, look back and also see how I um, attached food to love. So I would also like go to food if I was lacking in something, feeling not enough or feeling sad or whatever it was. So on the one hand, I had this really great healthy example of how to be with food. Um, but on the other hand, the, the childhood trauma still come through, right? And I think that's something really important to recognize when it comes to eating disorders. And like you said, a lot of people might be dismissive of it. I think maybe what people sometimes think is that it's, you know, it's just a case of vanity or, you know, if, if somebody wants to do that to herself, like her problem, like, mm. um, but an eating disorder is very rarely, and I would like to say never, about physical appearance. It manifests as an obsession with physical appearance, but there's always something underlying it. Mm. There's something behind it. There's something that's driving it and causing it. Um, so when I finished school, I wrote my trick when I was 15. I left home when I was 16. And then I went to chef college. Um, being that I came from this family of foodies, uh, we'd always cooked and baked together. And I, I loved food. I loved making my own recipes. So off I went to chef college. And um, I didn't, I didn't uh, complete my, my schooling at the Chef College uh, for financial reasons, being that I left home when I was 16. <laughs> um, so I, I was at the college for like a year and then I went off and, and got a job as a sous chef. And I did that for about a year. Um, while I was still working as a chef, I started modeling on the side. It was like this lifetime dream of mine since I was a tiny little girl for as long as I could remember. And I think that also comes back to my feeling like I need to earn love by performing and being beautiful. Um, and like, what better way to do that than to become a model? Mm. <laughs> so uh, after a while, I gave up the chef job to pursue modeling full time. And then it was just this like 180 degree change from being a chef being surrounded by food, my job was to create beautiful food. Um, I never had any thoughts of like restricting what I was eating, even though I was still very focused on eating healthily. Um, I, the, I had no concept even of dieting. And then all of a sudden I got plunged into this industry where no matter how thin you are, you constantly get told that you could be a little thinner. And so at first, um, I kept myself in shape by going to gym and eating healthy. 
but slowly but surely it started becoming obsessive. So I think the, the first point for me was probably what is now termed orthorexia, which is this obsession with eating healthy and with exercise. Um, I mean, the, the, the gymming became obsessive. I then started gymming for four hours a day. And then it started with like small insidious things like, have you ever heard somebody say that carrots are not good because they're high in sugar? So then I stopped eating carrots. And then it was, this is not good because of that. And then I stopped eating that. And then this, and then I stopped eating that. And so eventually you get to the point where you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to eat? And then you get so confused about what is good and what is not good. Um, so I just started eating less and less and less. Um, so I guess I then segued from orthorexia to anorexia. And at a certain point in time, that became bulimia. So then I was making myself vomit after I ate. And yeah, also I think another interesting thing about eating disorders that a lot of people might not know is that they're very rarely um, just one specific eating disorder. They often are all entangled and people will sort of sway between one and the other. Um, then I, when I was 21, I went on contract to Thailand, um, a modeling contract. And that was when I, I really like hit rock bottom with this whole thing. I think by that time, um, I, bulimia had probably been going on for two years and as much as like the obsessive gymming and the obsession with eating healthy was not good and starving myself and doing crazy diets was not good. Bulimia is like a whole nother creature. It's, mm -hmm. it's so dark and I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Like even now when I think about it, the emotion that comes up is this sense of desperation and hopelessness. Uh, before I left for Thailand, I knew that I was in trouble and I, I'd never had any sort of therapy or anything like that. I didn't really have a concept of that being something that you did unless like something was really wrong with you, you know, whereas now I think everyone should have some therapy. <laughs> um, anyway, I was so desperate. Um, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have any support systems. I was living in Joburg on my own. I didn't really have family around me. And so one day in complete desperation, I drove to Tara because I didn't know where else to go. And I just walked in and I was like, I, I need help. I don't know what to do. Can Is there somebody that I can talk to? So there was a psychologist and I sat down with her and I explained to her that I think I have a problem. And I was leaving, I think like in a couple of days, I was leaving South Africa. And she said to me, you can't deal with it right now because you're about to leave the country. If you try to stop this in its tracks or try to address it right now, you're going to have a complete breakdown because you're leaving. You're going overseas. You're not going to have any support system. Um, you're going to work. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't have to deal with it right now. <laughs> I was like, great. I'm fine. <laughs> and off I went to Thailand. But yeah, things unraveled very quickly in Thailand. Um, as much as in South Africa, you're expected to be thin as a model. It's not nearly as bad as in other countries. Mm -hmm. And in the East, you are expected to be very, very thin. 
and I'm not a naturally skinny girl. You know, I had friends there who were models who that, that was just their build. Mm. They ate normally and they were super skinny and bony. Mm. Whereas I have an athletic body and to be able to look like that, I had to starve myself. Um, you know, I would go for days without eating. Wow. And um, what I didn't know at the time, maybe a lot of people wouldn't know, is that the reason eating disorder is so fucked up is because <laughs> obviously there's a, a mental, emotional issue if you're doing that to your body in the first place. So you've already got mental, emotional issues, some sort of trauma or whatever it is. Then there's the physical aspect of you're damaging your body. But then you add to that, that by starving yourself, you are causing more mental issues because when you starve your body, it causes anxiety. Mm. Your body goes into a state of panic. So I started having panic attacks and suicidal thoughts while I was in Thailand. And I was also very sick. I just like kept on getting flu and then I had bronchitis and then I had this and then I had that. And like my body just couldn't get better. And I became scared. I was very scared that I was going to land up in hospital on my own in Thailand, Bangkok. Um, I was also scared that I might do something to myself. And I can remember being in my little apartments in Bangkok and I read, I was paging through a magazine remember those days when there was no social media <laughs> I was paging through a magazine and I read the story of a model in Europe who had died of a heart attack because she was anorexic and she hadn't eaten to such a point that she had a heart attack and she died and that really like shocked me awake um so I made the decision to break my contract and come home so I came home and it was a very long journey to heal from that. Yeah. It's not something that happens overnight. It took years and it yeah. was degrees of healing, mm. you know, and Love that. Um, I, I like to use the image of a spiral. You know, we often think of life as a path or a healing journey as a path. And we expect this like constant upward trajectory and that's not how it works. Mm. Um, so if you want to imagine it as a straight 2D line, then you could see it as going up and down, up and down, up and down, but generally going upwards. But I think an even more beautiful way of seeing it is as the spiral. So almost like a, a funnel spiral. So as it goes up, you go higher and higher on this path of healing, closer to wholeness. But as you go around the spiral, you keep on traversing those same points. Um, those same pain points, those same things that need to be healed, the same themes that you just mm. can't seem to let go of. Mm. Yeah. So it took, it took a lot of time for me to heal. And the last thing to heal is the mind, in my experience. So I was able to stop the physical behavior first, but I still wasn't healed in my mind. And that took a lot of willpower. That was like pure willpower that made me stop the physical behaviors um but then the the deeper healing comes with healing what like what what's really at the roots of it why did you have an eating disorder in the first place and um i would say that that's still an ongoing process even though the eating disorder is a distant memory um and i can say that i'm fully healed from that 
I'm still even today working through all of the complicated issues surrounding it that that cause that breeding ground for um, what's the word that I'm looking for self-destructive behavior mm. in the first place mm. yeah the I love that you bring that up because I often you mentioned decisions like we, we do we make decisions to to heal and rapidly change our lives and I think Tony Robbins likes to say decisions equals destiny I like that saying um, and it is a process and I remember when I it was New Year's like 20, 20 th end of 2013 going to 2014 I just made the decision I was like people can't respect me if I'm overweight and and I, I look like I do and I just don't I just look terrible and I was drinking and smoking and it was just terrible and, and I made the decision and I changed my body my body rapidly changed and, and I got th I got thin I got healthy but it soon became obsessive and like mm -hmm. you said I, I the, the the mind part of it wasn't healed so it, although the physical aspect was was there and people were coming to me saying Josh wow you you've transformed yourself you should be so proud again it goes back to that experience at like Africa burn it's like it all came out and I was like oh that that that's it's it has to do with my relationship with my father that's more than likely mm. caused this little little t trauma that's just happened throughout my life and mm. um so yeah, that's a big one hey is is the mind is the last thing yeah really is. and i think really important to recognize that if you don't address those unresolved issues those traumas those subconscious thoughts those emotions that are stuck in the body if they don't get addressed it is going to manifest one way or another mm -hmm. so you might be drinking and smoking and then you stop that through sheer willpower mm -hmm. but something else will come up mm -hmm. i mean that's what happened to me um in that year before i went to thailand I I was partying a lot. So I was drinking a lot, also smoking, going out every night. And then I got to the point where I didn't like that. I didn't like what it was doing to me physically. I didn't like um, what it was doing to me mentally. So I decided I'm going to stop. Um, and I, I stopped. I think at that point in time, I was also doing drugs. And I decided I don't want this. This is not the life that I want for myself. This is not what I envisioned for myself. I need to stop this. So I stopped. I stopped going out. And I was like, I've also always been an extremist. So I was like, if I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. Like mm -hmm. everything's got to stop. So I stopped going out. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing the drugs. I cut out all of the people from my life who were the partiers with the drugs because I was like, I'm not going to be able to stop this if I don't stop seeing these people. But of course, I, I wasn't addressing the reason why. I mean, oh, shame. I was only 20, 19, 20 at the time. I didn't know anything. Um, like, I just want to give her a big hug. Uh, I, I had no concept that I needed to address anything, that there was anything wrong underneath. I was just like, oh, I've, I've just got to stop. And I've always had a very strong mind, a very strong will, very determined. So when I put my mind to something, I will do it. 
So I was like, I'm not a drug addict. Watch me. I'm just going to stop. Just today, I'm going to decide I don't do this anymore. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do drugs. And that's it. And so I did. I stopped. No problem. Wasn't an issue. I didn't crave it. I didn't want to go out and do it because I made the decision that I was going to stop. But pretty quickly, I would say probably within a couple of weeks, that was when the bulimia erupted yeah. really badly. Yeah. Um, and I, I can see that with various different things over the course of my life. So say, for example, when I quote unquote healed from the eating disorder, and I'm saying quote unquote, because now, yes, I thought I was better because I'd stopped the physical behaviors and I didn't have the obsessive thoughts anymore. So I thought I was better, but now what it translated into was being obsessive with eating organic. Mm. And then I was vegan for a while. And so it always keeps coming up and it will keep coming up. And then like when I went through my separation, then, and I became a Pilates instructor, then once again, it was exercise. I was training all day, every day, but now I had a good excuse because it was my job. <laughs> so it'll just keep coming back and life will keep presenting you with opportunities to heal yourself until you're willing to look under the physical manifestations and the outward behaviors and really ask why, why am I doing this to myself? What's really underneath it? What have I not healed? I resonate with so much of that. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, that is so, so true. So what getting a bit crap practical now, what's your typical diet these days? I mean, do you have one? Do you have a preference or what, where do you, what does rain eat on an, on an average day? <laughs> Um, so my fiance Wesley says he's on a seafood diet. Okay, he sees beauty, he eats it. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> so it's quite interesting because, you know, being that I wrote that book all about how to eat healthy, um, I don't exactly eat like that a hundred percent anymore. Something that I really emphasized in my book is the importance of balance. So, you know, I'd already been through this process of like swinging the one way and then the other way. So mm -hmm. it is something that I really emphasized in my book that balance is really important. And mm -hmm. if you're obsessing over eating healthy, the, um, the detriments to your health of being obsessive like that are just as bad as eating the burger or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So even in my book, I already said, I really believe in that balance. Um, and then over the last little while with the health issues that I've been having and like being tired and whatever, I'm just being like completely honest now. My healthy eating has fallen off the wagon a bit. Mm. And then sometimes I beat myself up about that. And then other times I think, well, maybe I've really finally reached a healthy balance instead of being so obsessive about it. So Wesley's been um, a great and a bad influence on me on that way. <laughs> Sometimes I get cross with it. I'm like, this is all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> I never ate like this before you lived with me. Uh, yes, um, yes. But yeah, I've just become a lot more relaxed about food. Mm. I still believe that it's very important to eat organic. Mm. I still believe that what we put into our bodies translates directly into the vibrance, the energy, the health that we have. Mm. So it's not that I don't believe those things anymore. I'm just a little bit more relaxed about it. Um, and yeah, one of, one of my sort of goals after the surgery and to get back to full health is that I do want to get back to eating healthy again, um, more regularly rather than 
being tired and compromising because I don't have the energy to do the right things and cook the right food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's also just important to be real about it because there have been times where I thought, oh my God, I put out this book telling people how to eat and now I'm not doing it myself, but that's life. And yeah. we, we're not static. We can't do all the things all the time perfectly. <laughs> no, amen. And yeah. the reason why I asked is because, I mean, I myself when i got really sick uh, in 2019 and just prior to covid um probably might have got covid actually it got really sick but um i i resorted to like an elimination diet so you know a carnivore diet and 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 it, it helped me mm-hmm. it really did it helped me mm-hmm. heal especially with the eating side of things because i had to that's all i could eat and it was just so easy. And especially during COVID when I didn't have the social pressure of having to go out and things, it was just like an easy thing to do. But like you said, it, it, this manifestation started coming back. It, 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 it really, I was like pigeon, I felt like I was pigeonholing myself. And then I, I started encountering, you know, the community, the, the, the keto carnival communities online and all these various people that, that change their names to at carnivore Karen, I like to say, and your <laughs> carnivore Karen, I love it. <laughs> and now, and now your whole you should create idea. a spoof account yes. called carnivore Karen. I wouldn't be surprised if there's already there's already one. I, I just always use that as a reference. So carnivore Karen, if you actually are able to sing to me, it's not directed at you. <laughs> but but then you you've got all these people that have that have identified with the diet, like your, your whole entire life, like steak and butter yes. girl. I mean, she's the most famous one. I don't know if you've ever seen her content, but not even familiar. <laughs> so her whole identity is now entrenched in this diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm using carnivore as a, as a, as an example, you obviously get the vegan side of things, whatever. I mean, yeah. but I felt that happening to me as well. And then, during my plant medicine journeys and during my own healing, just the, the, the subtle letting go of, mm. like you said, having to prove yourself and having to, what's, what's the word up? The phrase is audience capture. You, you actually start to become like the people that give you credits online. You actually start yeah. to, f- you, you become mm. literally echo like, chamber. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh. And part of my integration, which is still ongoing today, a couple of years later, is yes, I've got my preference. My preference is predominantly quality animal source products. Mm-hmm. But if I go off that wagon, but it's okay. It's, it really is not the end of the world. And slowly but yeah. surely, I've I've learned to, you know, add in f- fruits and vegetables here and there, and things like that. And, and occasionally, I won't feel great when I have certain foods, but it's okay. You know, it's it's really okay to let go of of the person you've you sort of created during a, a difficult time <laughs> yeah. i guess <laughs> so thanks and you know thanks. Mm, pleasure <laughs> um i must say even for myself like with this whole carnivore thing taking off so much or, and with my health issues that i've been having over the course of this year i've been looking at it and going fuck maybe i need to try this <laughs> you know <laughs> And even I, I thought even like maybe just as a healing protocol, like just give it a try and, and mm-hmm. see if it does everything that they say that it does. I so started, started following like a couple of people that talk about it. And um, but at the end of the day, 
what I was seeing was the exact same energy that you see in veganism. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. again, it's, um, that's generalizing because there are people who are vegan who are not so obsessive, but mm -hmm. as, as a, <laughs> as a cult, let's just piss yes. everyone off. <laughs> that's not actually what I meant to say. That's just what came out. As a, as a, um, as a movement, veganism yes. itself. So not the individual people. Mm. So nobody get pissed off with me. Yeah? As a movement, mm. it has this energy of obsession and of I am 100% right and you are 100% wrong. Mm. And this is the only way. Mm. Now the carnivore movement has the exact same energy. Mm. And I think you could apply that to anything, not just diets, but like anything in life that is extreme. It's this unwillingness to consider any other route or any other possible way and, and an unwillingness to meet halfway and to admit that maybe the halfway is much healthier in the long run than to be on the one extreme or the other extreme. Mm. So for me, it's always like coming back to that balance. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these diets, the reason that they have become so prolific is because they do work. Like as a healing protocol, as a detox like a lot of these things or for like specific conditions, a lot of these things do give amazing results. And that's why people do them. They feel good, mm. whether it's carnivore or it's keto or it's vegan mm. or um, gaps or whatever the whole. Mm. Um, the reason people do them is because they do work. But is it a lifelong sustainable diet is the question. And so... That's why I, I always encourage people, and this is like something I really try to bring across in my book, is that our bodies are unique. Like by individually, my body's different from your body, but then also like our bodies change over time and we need different things at different times. Yeah. Something that I experienced this year, which was actually really beautiful for me because it's the first time I've ever felt that. I mean, I've been talking about listening to your body for years and healthy eating. This year was the first year where I had this really interesting experience just as we were going into autumn where all of a sudden all I wanted to eat was grass-fed butter, raw cream, pastured eggs, and steak. That was all I wanted to eat. I was not interested in vegetables or fruits or anything. So I decided to experiment with it. I was like, well, what happens if I just let myself eat this? <laughs> mm. And um, like that lasted for a good couple of months. And then lo and behold, as we came out of winter and spring started, I was like, oh, salad, yes. fruit. I want salad, I want fruit. <laughs> and like, this is where it becomes so important to actually develop that relationship with your body so that you can actually listen to what your body wants. And if you allow that communication, you'll realize that your body is actually incredibly intelligent. Mm. It knows what it needs. And I mean, like seasonal eating is something that has been completely lost mm. in our modern society. Like mm. we have no idea about how to really eat seasonally anymore mm. because it's so easy to just get whatever you want at any time of the year. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of health value in eating seasonally. Mm. Well, Rain, um, I just want to say thank you so much. We covered pretty much everything that, that, I really wanted to get into and I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty and your, your wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, I think, as you said before, it's, it's real conversations like this that 
synthesize it's the synthesizing of these stories you know people listen to them and they connect to them that that makes a huge difference it's like when you found that facebook group it wasn't because you went to mainstream media you know you you found mm -hmm. that and you connected to that so thank you it's it's really been um a privilege to to hear your side of uh, of the story is is there anything else you want to want to sort of add before we, we close up um i want to be respectful of your time where can people find you things like that um people can find me on instagram at rain.dun mm -hmm. i have been trying to pull back a bit from instagram <laughs> one can really get Same. stuck in it <laughs> yeah so i sort of what i've been trying to implement is that i only go on on mondays wednesdays and fridays <laughs> just yeah. to sort of limit my time <laughs> um and then the the other thing and like part of the reason that I, I want to pull my energy back from Instagram is that I can actually pull my energy into other more meaningful creative endeavors such as my Substack essays. So that's uh, raindone.substack.com mm -hmm. where you can read my essays. And that's pretty much it. I don't I don't really do Facebook and Twitter and all the rest. And then my podcast, The Rain Done Podcast, you can search on Spotify or Apple. Cool. And um, anything else I wanted to say? There was something that I wanted to like sort of close off that conversation with. Oh, I'm just about listening to your body. And I think this ties in with everything that we've spoken about, um, like what food to eat um, with regards to the breast implant illness, eating disorders, you are your own most powerful healer. And the moment you can really recognize that and embody it is when your healing journey will truly begin. Because as long as you are outsourcing your healing to other people, whether they be doctors or shamans or psychologists or Carnival Karen. <laughs> <laughs> there she is. Um, <laughs> as long as you're outsourcing your power, you won't really be able to get to the, the true deep healing and find full wholeness, which mm. um, which is your natural state. Like you you are already whole. You are already healed. It's just all the, the life stuff that's gotten in the way. Yeah. Um, so really recognizing that nobody knows your body as well as you don't ever let anybody whether it's a doctor or a family member or a friend tell you what your experience in your own body is and then um, just work on developing that relationship with your own body with your own mind with your own soul and educate yourself well maybe we'll need a, a round two one of these days to go deeper into that so yeah, that was awesome. thank you so much rain i really appreciate it i hope you have a lovely day it's a pleasure, Josh. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a really great chat. I enjoyed it. Awesome.